The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus and his disciples arrived at Bethsaida, people brought to him a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. Putting spittle on his eyes, he laid his hands on the man and asked, Do you see anything? Looking up, the man replied, I see people looking like trees and walking. Then he laid hands on the man's eyes a second time, and he saw clearly. His sight was restored, and he could see everything distinctly. Then he, said, then he sent him home and said, Do not even go into the village. The Gospel of the Lord. Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, we have to address this last little command of Jesus. And I, you know, I think this, you know, his, um, his order to not even go into the village itself shouldn't be taken out of uh, context, uh, even from the first uh, clause of that, <laughs> that same sentence. He said, he sent him home and said, don't go into the village. Okay, so there's got to be a difference between uh, the village and and his home. It's not as though he didn't he didn't send him home. If he didn't send him home, I think we'd have something else to explain there. Um, at least the or maybe the the poor man would have greater <laughs> greater suffering as a, as a man who could who could see who was now at the at the command of Jesus, you know, without a home or something something of that sort. But it's not it's not the case. It's the village that he doesn't that he, that he um, orders him to avoid. I think uh, Bishop Barron in his uh, in his email this morning, yeah, I had a nice kind of allegorical read of of what that of what that means. You know, this the space like the the um, the the hubbub of of human life, kind of the um, the the unseeing societies and uh, and um, places of, of our own culture, where the man has just been you know, pulled out of and, and, and given his sight. He doesn't want to go back into the unseeing world, as it were. He's now, he's now called to live in the world of, of sight and especially of spiritual sight uh, that, that Jesus brings him into. And, uh, you know, what did he not go back into that world that he was in before and lose his sight again? Okay, now look, it's, an, it's a nice allegorical reading. It's, it's, not, it's not for me close enough to the kind of his, the historical tenor of, of, of the passage that, uh, that is given to us. Uh, it, you know, this, more, more to the point, I would, I would offer, I'm not dismissing the, the allegorical reading, um, but more to the point, uh, the very next little passage here in the Gospel of Mark is uh, Jesus' conversation with his disciples about who they say that he is. Yeah, and he takes them out and and away from even even around the Sea of Galilee, takes them to a, a, a more remote place than that, to Caesarea Philippi, to ask them that question. So just as he pulled this man out of the village, he's pulling his disciples away to a I don't know lonesome place by them by themselves. They're not they're not going to be in and in and among the hubbub of, of any crowd, because he's taken them so far away. And then he and then he's asking them about you know who the crowds think that he is. They say John the Baptist, Elijah, one of the prophets. And uh, who do who do you say that I am? Well, you're going to hear it tomorrow. So anyway, I'm giving you the I'm give you the preview tomorrow, but um, for tomorrow. But um, and they say uh, you're the you're the Messiah, right? you're you're God's anointed king. So 
we're kind of drawn to a kind of particular crescendo here in this part of the Gospel of, of Mark. We see Jesus working this, this powerful healing miracle. All the while, he's working a powerful, he's working, I, yeah, he's working, I, okay, fine. He's working a powerful healing miracle for his apostles too in their ability to see him as he is. And that's, that's, that's no easy feat, right, to see someone else as they are instead of as we intend them to be. So it's, there's, there's something quite powerful going on there. Of course, they're going to identify him in, in, in their own, kind of out of their own blindness. And yet, he's, and yet we, we still see that uh, the, the tremendous amount of work that has to happen from this point on in the gospel, not just to, to have them claim him as king, but to see actually what that, what that really means. Right? So that they're not making a king of their own um, imagination, but that they're embracing him again for, for who he is. They've, they've, done the, they've done the first part, I guess, the first little blindness. They can kind of see, but there's still um, blindness uh, to, be, uh, to be cured in them as well. So this, this is all happening. Jesus tells the man not to go into the village because, of course, this is, um, things are getting riskier and, and more dangerous. And, uh, and the more people know about what Jesus is doing and who he is, who he's at least who they would think that he is claiming to be as the king, the more, the, the more quickly he's going to be thrown into, into the conflict that will, that will cost him his life. And uh, he's, he's working on his own timetable there. So he's not, he's, not keen to have, he's not keen to have this man in that particular city, in that particular village, reveal to people, again, as a kind of a secondhand account, I mean, it's firsthand for him, but it's secondhand to them uh, that Jesus is this person doing this thing. It's just going to it's going to draw the attention of all the wrong people, which itself is tremendously powerful. I think it's uh, perhaps where where the gospel, where the good news, say, comes to comes to life today is that Jesus, although he's got his own plan, I say okay. It's not an, it's not good enough to say that. Although he's although he's executing on the plan of God, and he's careful to observe a particular time frame and not advance conflict when um, when it's too too early, right before the before the time where he's drawing it all to a head. In spite all of this, right, and of course his plan for his disciples moving about, taking his he wants to take them off by um, by themselves. In spite of all of that, you've got this, um, you've, you have this blind man being brought to him. And it's like, don't you see I'm doing other things? Like, you know, I'm, I, got, I, got, I have more important things to be doing than, you know, what's the, what's the point here? Do you know? It's bringing this blind man to him. And uh, Jesus is very sensitive to the plight of, of this of this blind man, right? He's going, he's going to prioritize the personal. He's going to prioritize the person in front of him. And he's, and he's going to do that at a cost to himself. He knows where that man's going, you know? <laughs> like if, he, if, that, if that man doesn't, if that man is not in the village that day, <laughs> he's, it's going to be like the next day, you know what I mean? Like it's not going to take long for that man to, to go into the village. And of course, the fact that he is now not blind is, 
Now, how you going to hide that somehow? I, I don't think so, right? And, and no one's going to be inclined to, to hide that. So he's, Jesus take great care with the person in front of him. And it, this itself is, of course, the, the plan of God. So like if we go back, uh, go back a couple of little stories in the, in the gospel, and, uh, and we'll see that Jesus is confronting the scribes and the Pharisees, right? Because they're, they're so bent on their own agenda, they can't even, they, they, they can't even see that Jesus is, is doing great works. They're asking him for a sign. He's fed 4,000 people with seven loaves. He's fed 5,000 people with five loaves. He's, he's raised a little girl from the dead, right? I mean, is it, uh, he's done a lot of other things besides. I won't rehearse it again. And they're asking him for a sign. Because, it, because what he's doing doesn't fit their agenda. Okay, so this blind man, this down and out, the, the least productive member of society, right? The one who doesn't fit in kind of the economic establishment. He's got nothing to offer. He's blind, can't do anything. Um, all the rest, right? He, and socially, Right? It's tough. It's going to be tough for him. And according to the life of worship of Israel, it's going to be very difficult for him. He can't get around. Right? Without a lot, without a lot of help. I mean, he's got some friends, so it's, it's good. He can get around a little bit, but right? All, all the rest. Um, and of course, he's, you know, not, he's not caught up in the, in the kind of um, activity of, of the village, the trade and, and the like. Right? This man who has, in a sense, nothing to offer, he's the one who's healed. And this is, I don't know, the, the kind of inner logic or the calculus of the kingdom of God. And it's not at all what the Pharisees and, and the rest and any, I say, any other worldly agenda, it's not what, it's not what it, it wouldn't be pursued by anybody who has, who's taking on any other agenda. But this is, this is the inner logic of the kingdom of God. Jesus is going to heal that, that one blind person. So this is, I mean, this is us, right? This, we, in this sense, we come to Jesus as that one blind person. What do we have, what do we have to offer? Yeah, I know, yeah, I know, you've got a great resume. <laughs> sure, okay. And, uh, you know, what do, we have, what do we have to offer in front of Jesus, in front of, his, you know, his building of the kingdom of God? But then also, we're made agents of the wounded healer, right? We're made agents of the divine physician, and so we, we, in our announcing of the kingdom of God, right, in, in, our, um, in all our, our efforts and our, our desire to advance God's loving and saving and merciful rule, do we live in ignorance of, of the person in front of us? Or are we, more, are we becoming more sensitive to, to him or her and, and their needs? That's really the, the push Right now, and again, I'm. Don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not setting up a, a new set of moral demands. I'm just saying that as we come before the Lord to worship Him, and as we, as we seek to prioritize Him and His purposes in our lives, as as our hearts center on Him, then His life of love, flowing into us and flowing through us, does this thing. So he's doing the thing. He's doing the thing. Now, 
for us in our kind of progress towards spiritual growth and maturity, we'll become aware of where we are and aren't doing this thing. So where we're living by some other agenda or where we're living by the agenda of God's anointed king, right? we're living by the Jesus agenda. And we'll see where we, where we are and especially, I think, where we're not because the spirit works in us to convict us of the places where we're, we're going astray. Uh, we will also find that committing ourselves to going God's way, he will give us this, this strength that we need to continue to do that. So in this sense, to, to kind of throw our lives away on the unproductive, right? To give ourselves away to people who can't repay us, to love into life uh, people, I don't know, whose, whose needs are revealed to us, the need of our time, our attention, our energy, and the like. But this is the, the healing work of God is his kingdom. And he's healing us now. He's renewing us so that we can be part of the working of, of that restoration far and wide as well. And just as Jesus paid the price, no matter what it costs, right? no matter what the cost is, we're called into that space of, of healing and renewal that sees, that sees our renewal as well, um, but works God's, uh, God, the restoration that God wants to accomplish uh, throughout his whole creation.